Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Would you find in your Bible the book of Haggai? It would be in your Old Testament. Go to Matthew. Take a real sharp left. Haggai is the second to last book in the Old Testament. We'll notice a passage right here in Haggai chapter 1 in just a moment. And as you're turning there, I'll join in the welcome from earlier. It is great to see everybody tonight. Hope that you have had a nice afternoon. Hope you got to enjoy some of the some of the warm weather that we had today compared to the last several days. Today felt like summer almost, so be appreciative of that. Try to look on the bright side about things. But it's good that we're able to be together tonight in a nice, uh, comfortable building so that we can blend our hearts, blend our minds, blend our voices together in worship unto our God. Let's get right to it tonight in the text. I'm reading here in Haggai chapter 1. It is there that the prophet says in verse 5, Haggai 1 verse 5, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Drop down to verse 7. If we didn't get it the first time, he says it again. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Well, what were your New Year's resolutions this year? We're almost now a full week into the new year. What kind of resolutions did you make? Some of you right now are thinking about some very serious efforts that you have decided that you're going to put forth to to grow and to improve in certain areas in 2018. And you are very, very determined to see those things all the way through to their fruition. Others of you right now are thinking, well... I did make a resolution or two back back last Sunday or maybe last weekend about, about nutrition, about, about maybe eating less and about exercising more, but come Thursday I was I was at McDonald's and I was snacking down on all that food that tastes a whole lot better than that healthy stuff. And so my attempt to keep those resolutions it was it was pretty short lived. And I'm gonna guess as well, there are probably a few of you here who maybe kinda like me who are thinking Resolutions are just bogus. They don't really work because all too often people just kind of treat them like like wishes. You rub them out of the lamp and a genie's going to appear and grant your wishes. People just make resolutions and then they break them with just total impunity. Well, how about this evening? How about instead of being flippant with a bunch of resolutions that we may or may not keep, how about we do what Haggai suggests here in Haggai chapter 1? How about we consider... Our ways. And I do think that this is a great time for us to consider our ways. Because even though our Gregorian calendar is not found in Scripture, the start of a new calendar year, it does provide us with with kind of a hard edge, with a, with a marker, if you will, where there is a definite ending, and then there is also this definite beginning. And so I think that does give us a really opportune time at the beginning of a new year to really stop and consider our ways. The people of Haggai's day, they failed to do that. They had returned from Babylonian captivity. Things were not going well, but it was made all the worse because no one was considering their ways. They weren't listening to God. They weren't listening to God's prophets. They weren't listening to God's Word. Things were just a complete mess, but nobody seemed to stop and just evaluate why things are the way that they are. And so Haggai comes along and he says, you need to hit the pause button on everything else 
and you need to think and you need to very carefully consider your ways. And I think that's pretty good advice. Yet the problem all too often for us living in 2018 America is that that kind of careful, thoughtful kind of introspection and consideration all too often, that kind of consideration just... Well, we just don't really have time for that. Just don't have time to do all that considering of my ways. It takes time to do that. It takes a quiet moment, or maybe a couple of quiet moments, to do that kind of serious reflection and examination. And the problem we have with that is, well, well, who's got time for that? Well, good news. You do now. Because that is exactly what we are going to do this evening. We are going to take the time to consider our ways. And we want to do that so that we can grow, so that we can improve spiritually specifically here in this new year. And to help us to consider our ways this evening, I am going to ask you a series of eight questions that I think lend themselves very well to deep introspection, and as well to establishing some very tangible and realistic goals for our walk with the Lord. And that is exactly where this tan sheet of paper comes into play this evening. Thank you so much to all of my helpers. They were just going everywhere, Hannah. They're running out in the parking lot. I didn't even tell them to go out in the parking lot, but risking their lives to get you these papers. So you better use them this evening because they were putting it all on the line. And now as well, you know why I also asked you to bring something to write with this evening. Because the way this is going to work tonight is we are going to answer these questions, but we're actually going to take the time to put the pen or the pencil or the crayon, and we're going to put it to paper. I think there is just something powerful about writing things down committing to paper those thoughts and those ideas and even those good intentions that we have, putting them on a sheet of paper and getting them right there before us. Now let me urge you this evening, because I know we've got lots of very diligent note takers here. Do not get caught up with trying to write down the total questions that I'm going to put down on the screen this evening. I gave you those kind of already abbreviated short versions of the questions. That'll kind of be your reminder when you go back and review these at a later time. But I can provide you these full questions at a later date. So don't focus on writing down the questions. No, our focus this evening is writing down some answers to these questions. And let me say as well that tonight, and I I like the idea of us kind of being packed together and all being close, but tonight might actually be a good occasion, if you've got room on your pew, kind of spread out a little bit. And don't don't feel bad about kind of rustling around and making some movement right now. And the reason I say that is, is because the title of this sermon is Consider Your Ways, not Consider Somebody Else's Ways Who's Sitting Next to You. What your spouse or what your friend or what your neighbor next to you on the pew is writing down, that's not really your concern. Your concern is your ways. This is about an individual examination right now. So as teachers often say to their students in school, keep your eyes on your own paper. And yes, since I am talking about school, young people, and I'm so glad to see the young people, they've got theirs handy as well. Young people, this lesson is for you. 
Just as much as it is for the adults, this is for the young people. I've tried to cater these questions and design them in such a way that everybody can get these. Teenagers especially, you want to pay attention to these questions and you want to give thought to them and give some answers. In fact, if you are a new Christian or a newish Christian, then I really think it just ought to be mandatory tonight that you be writing some things down because this is exactly the kind of thinking that helps to facilitate spiritual growth. And no, tonight, I am not going to ask anybody to do anything that I myself am not willing to do. I've got my trusty red pen, and at the appropriate time, I'm going to be writing down some answers as well. We're going to be doing this together. I'm going to write some stuff. You're going to write some stuff. This is about being purposeful. This is about doing some planning for our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ. This is about thoughtfully and carefully considering our ways. Are you ready for that tonight? Let's get those pens or pencils revved up. Here we go with question number one. What did you learn from last year that will help you the most in this new year? What did you learn last year that's going to help you this year? I think that's a really good starting point before us because really one of the things that we just do not want to do is we do not want to be the person who never learns from their mistakes. If you are jotting down some verses to go along with these questions, then the verse you need here is in Proverbs chapter 12. In Proverbs chapter 12, if you're able to multitask with the pens and papers and the Bible as well, in Proverbs chapter 12, listen to what the wise man says in verse 15. In Proverbs 12 and in verse 15, he says there, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man, a wise man listens to advice. You know, one of the most frustrating things about fools is that they never seem to learn from their mistakes. Think about it in the Bible. King Saul, that guy just keeps making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Whereas on the other hand, King David, King David makes some mistakes. But very rarely do we see David making the same mistakes twice or three times or four times in a row. So let's all think back a little bit. Let's think back over the past 12 months. What did you learn in the last year that's caused you to realize, nope, I'm, I'm not doing that again. I'm not, I'm not going to make that same mistake again. I'm going to have my guard up now. I'm going to be ready so that I don't make that mistake I've learned from the past. I'll be really quiet right now. I see some people writing. I'm going to go write some things too. Alright, I know some of us are still writing some things down and that's okay. If you're ready to move on to the next one, be turning to Ephesians chapter 5 in your Bible. Because that is where this next question is going to come from. In Ephesians chapter 5, here Paul says something very instructive about time. And that is what the second question is all about. In Ephesians chapter 5, I'm reading here in verse 15 and 16. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 15 and 16, Paul says, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Question number two is this. What is the biggest waster of time in your life 
And what are you going to do about that in this new year? Time is the very substance of our lives. It is really the most precious commodity that we really have control over and have at our disposal. Unfortunately, there are more ways to waste time now than there have ever been before. Think about it, 500 years ago or so, men and women, they put all of their time into just trying to raise food, prepare food, and not starve to death. Well, we're not exactly in that same predicament anymore. Which means that today in 2018, we have, we have lots of time. We have lots of time at our computer screens to reply to emails for hours on end. We have lots of time to stare at those smartphone screens and watch stupid cat videos for hours on end. Or Snapchatting for hours on end. Or Instagramming. Or scrolling down that never-ending news feed on Facebook. I know why they designed it that way. It keeps you occupied all day long. We can play video games until our eyeballs start to bleed. We can binge watch all 16 seasons of our favorite show on Netflix. There's lots of things that create a bind on our time. And at the end of the day, we say, whoa, I just wasted six hours doing something I did not need to do. And so what is it for you? What is the biggest time waster in your life? The Bible says that Christians are to make the best use of their time. So what is it that's eating up your time? And then actually, don't forget that second part of the question. Once you identify what it is, what are you going to do about that? How are you going to correct it? I'll stop talking so we can all write something down. If you're still in Ephesians chapter 5, you look down in verse 22 of that chapter. I'll give some instructions there to wives. Then in verse 25 of that chapter, he gives some instructions to husbands. Then you move on into chapter 6, and the first four verses there, there's some directions given to parents and some directions that are given to children. I'll use those passages to set up this next question, and that is, what is the most important thing? that you can do to improve the quality of your family life this year? What is the single most important thing that you can do to make your family relationships better this year? All of us here have family, whether it's a blood relative or an adopted relative or it's extended family or in-laws, whoever it is we're talking about. But despite what those Norman Rockwell paintings usually show us, There's no such thing as a perfect family. Every family has problems to some degree, some worse than others, and some not as bad. But what can you do? What can you do on your part to make that family relationship better? And if you are here this evening and you're thinking, well, I really don't have any physical family members, at least not any that are close by, that I can spend time with and do anything with, then this evening I'll have you just think about your spiritual family. Think about your family here at Lakeside and what improvements need to be made there. But I think most of us, what we're going to be thinking about is we're going to be thinking about our spouse or our kids, young people, thinking about your parents, thinking about your siblings. Notice again that the question is not, 
What can I make everybody else do so that my family life will be a whole lot better for me? No. It's a question about you. You taking initiative. You taking responsibility. You know, lots of times we stand up and we just cry and decry all of the, the, the crumbling, eroding families here in 2018 America. But at the end of all that, that's really kind of all we end up doing. We just kind of shout and we just kind of complain. We don't ever do anything about it. So what can I do in my family to make things better in the new year? You think about that. Let's write something down about that. I had several things to write down there. You find the book of Proverbs again. In Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs does help us so much with wise living. Shows us how to live our lives in the very best possible way. It is here in Proverbs chapter 17 that the wise man says in verse 16. He says, why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom When he has no sense. It's one of those great proverbs that I don't think I've given enough attention to in the past. That's a proverb about money. And in fact, there's many of the proverbs that are about money and finances. So that leads to question number four. What is the smartest financial decision that you can make this year? What's the wisest choice that you can make financially in this new year? Young people. And I already had some of the young people. They were looking at the questions beforehand. They're like, "Uh, I'm exempt from this question. No, young people... You make application of this question as well. I realize that you may not have as much money as your mom and dad do. But you do need to think about this. You need to think about what you do have. What blessings you do have at your disposal. Maybe you're not just thinking about money, but maybe you're also thinking about your possessions and the things that you have. What can all of us do with the things that we have? The answer for some of us as we think about our finances, the answer for some of us is maybe we just need to start by by getting a budget. Figure out where all this money is going in our lives. Start making some kind of some checks and balances to figure out what's all the expenditures here. For some of us, maybe the best financial decision we can make this year is to invest in a really nice pair of scissors and then start chopping up some of those credit cards. Think about Proverbs. It talks about being the slave to the lender. Maybe what some of us need to do is we need to think about saving more and spending less. Maybe I need to start eliminating some of those unnecessary expenses in my life. This one, of course, is going to meet different people in different places because none of us are in the exact same spot financially. But as we think about our money being a blessing from God and how God expects us to be a good steward of the things that He has given us, what decision can I make this year financially? that will demonstrate good stewardship and good wisdom toward God. Many of you are already writing, so I'll start writing some things too. This one's painful for me. Alright, so we've thought a little bit about family, 
a little bit about finances, I really want to shift gears here with this fifth question. And what I think is probably the most important question that I'll ask tonight, and it is my favorite question tonight, because it has eternal ramifications to it. And the verse that I need here is in Romans, the 10th chapter. In Romans chapter 10, in verse number 1, Paul begins Romans 10 by saying, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Question number 5. For whose salvation will you pray regularly and fervently in this new year? Who will you pray for that they might be saved? You know, so often when we talk about evangelism, we get caught up talking about tactics and about techniques. We talk about here's how you start a conversation, and here's how you answer religious questions, and here's how you guide somebody along step by step through a study of the Bible. And without a doubt, all of those things are certainly important. But biblically, I am impressed with the fact that evangelism in the Bible... It begins in prayer. Paul here in Romans 10, he prayed for his Jewish countrymen. The church in Antioch in Acts chapter 13, they prayed before they sent Paul and Barnabas out on that missionary journey. If evangelism is us doing God's work, and it most certainly is, then we want to make sure to include God in His work. And one of the ways that we do that is in prayer. We need to use the avenue of prayer. Because I think that all too often, way too many times, we think about people that we, we want to be saved, people that we're concerned about, and all we do is we just kind of, we just kind of wish they'll be saved. It's just kind of, we have a fond thought or a fond hope that they'll be saved. And the problem is, we haven't actually prayed about that. We haven't actually talked to the Father about that individual. And so who is it that you are going to pray for specifically that they will be saved in the next 12 months, would you write one name down that you will commit yourself to be diligent about in prayer? I may cheat. I may write more than one. I want you to think right now about how many names were just written down on those pieces of paper. What if we all follow through with what we just committed in writing to do in praying for those people fervently and regularly in the next 12 months? Think right now. Think about how pleased God is that we would make such a commitment to pray for lost souls. Thought of that, it sends chills up and down my spine that we would commit to doing that. Question number six. It's taken right out of the longest chapter in the Bible in Psalm 119. If you crank your Bible open, just kind of plop it to the middle, it's probably going to fall pretty close to Psalm 119. In Psalm 119, there are actually five different verses I could use, but I'm just going to use one in Psalm 119. In verse 34, in verse 34, the psalmist says there, Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. There are four other occasions after this, right here in Psalm 119, where the psalmist will say to God, God, give me understanding. And so question number six is, what in the Bible 
Do you not understand now that you would like to have a better grasp of in the coming year? You know, sometimes we have just kind of some, some holes in our thinking. And whenever we have holes in our thinking, there is an uneasiness about that, and it ought to make us feel uneasy. Somebody maybe says, well, I don't entirely understand why, why we don't have a piano here at church. Or somebody else says, you know, I don't understand all of this about God's plan of salvation and, and about this necessity of baptism that we preach, and I just don't entirely get that. Somebody else says, I'm, I'm not really sure about this whole you know, evolution and creation debate. And I'm just not really sure that I'm able to sort through all of that. Somebody else says, I'm struggling with understanding these, these qualifications for an elder. And I know we're studying that on Wednesday nights in the auditorium. But sometimes we have these, these holes in our spiritual lives. But we never actually sit down and make a plan to start filling in those holes. So what is it that you are uncomfortable with Biblically. Maybe it's something topical. Maybe it's a specific doctrine that you don't understand. Maybe it's just a particular book of the Bible, a section of the Bible. Lots of people have trouble like just with the Old Testament as a whole. In fact, I'll just kind of use this as an opportunity to get another plug in for our Bible reading schedule for this year. At some point this year, if you are reading along in the reading schedule through the New Testament, at some point you are certain to come across something that you don't entirely get. Revelation, anybody? That's always one on my list. So what do you want to understand better? And what are you going to do to be proactive to get that understanding? Let me just say right now, unless you have perfectly mastered the Bible, then all of us ought to be writing something down right now. Let me ask you, do you think, you really think that if you ask the Lord, Lord, give me understanding, and then if you set about the task of diligently seeking that out, do you really think that the Lord is not going to provide that understanding? He will. Question number seven comes right out of Acts chapter 4 and in verse 36. In Acts 4 and verse 36, we are introduced to a fellow by the name of Barnabas. And we are told in Acts chapter 4 and verse 36 that that wasn't just some cutesy little nickname. No, it was a name that had meaning. It is a name that means son of encouragement. So question 7 is, who is the person that you will be intentional about encouraging this year? And this is the Barnabas question. Every time that we meet Barnabas in Scripture, he's just always encouraging somebody in some way. In Acts chapter 9, he's encouraging Saul of Tarsus as he brings them there in front of the saints there at Jerusalem. In Acts 15, it's John Mark who has kind of been kicked to the wayside by the Apostle Paul. Barnabas is just always helping people. He's always lifting people up. He's always bringing people along. And so this is our opportunity to think about us being a Barnabas. Who will you encourage? Maybe you'll decide this year that we support a number of brethren that preach uh, here with stateside and even have a brother overseas. Maybe you decide, I'm going to encourage, be intentional about encouraging one of those brothers. 
going to make it a point to send an email to that brother like maybe every month. Or I'm going to send a letter to that brother. I'm going to make it a point to encourage them in the work they're doing in the gospel. Maybe you're going to decide that you're going to be intentional about encouraging one of our young people here. You just say, I'm just going to take a special interest in mm, that one. And I'm just going to kind of just take them at my side. And I'm just going to try to include them, talk to them, ask them how things are going. Do that on a regular basis. Maybe you're going to decide to encourage maybe one of our shut-ins. We do got some shut-ins now. Think about Stephen Ann Connor. Think about Ron and LaVon Gimple. Miss Gertrude's kind of reaching a point too where she's becoming uh, in, in that position. Uh, who is it that I could go and kind of just extend extra opportunities to? Just give them a call. I'm going to intentionally call this person every single week to encourage and to lift them up and let them know that I'm thinking about them. Who will you encourage this year? In fact, could 2018... Could it be the year that you sow the Barnabas habit in your life? Let's write down a name right now. Last question this evening. And I once again want to use... The book of Proverbs one more time. In Proverbs chapter 21, this is a passage that says something about plans and making plans and looking into the future. In Proverbs chapter 21, it is in verse 5 that the wise man says there that the plans of the diligent, they lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Thinking about planning, trying to think a little bit more long term, let me ask question number eight. What is the one thing that you're going to do this year that's going to matter in ten years? You know, one of the problems that I have with resolutions, New Year's resolutions, is that they are often very now focused. I want to lose weight right now. I want to have better nutrition right now. I want to have better exercising habits right now. And sometimes that's okay and that's prudent, especially if we have some problems that need our immediate attention. We need to take care of those things right now. But sometimes the really big issues of life, they get lost in all this urgent right now sort of stuff. We're so busy putting out all these little brush fires all over the place that we don't see, hey, there's fixing to be a big forest fire here because I'm neglecting some bigger things in my life. So how about we start thinking a little bit long term, if the Lord wills, and that's the certain obvious caveat here. How about 10 years from now, looking down the stream of time to 2028, if the world should stand, what can I do right now that will reap dividends in 10 years? Young mothers, I think this is a good question for you. I think if you write down that in 10 years I want to have raised a Timothy, a young man, or a young woman who knows and serves the Lord, I think that would be a pretty good answer to that question. Young men, this is a good question for you too. What can you start doing right now that will prepare you to serve the Lord maybe as a deacon in His church? Or maybe those who are maybe a little bit older than some of our younger men, maybe thinking about serving as an elder in the Lord's church. I realize that we've got some folks here this evening who are a little bit older than that. And the thought of living for another ten years, maybe you don't reasonably expect to live another ten years. And that's okay. 
Sometimes we just need to confront what Hebrews 9 verse 27 says about it's appointed to men, all men to die once. That's going to happen to all of us. So older folks, what are you doing today that will help you to leave a legacy whenever it is that you're gone? If it's ten years from now, if it's five years from now, if it's one year from now, what are you doing today? Whatever stage of life you find yourself, what are you doing now that will have a lasting effect in ten years? I'm going to write something down. Well, that's it. Eight questions that I hope have provoked all of us to do what Haggai talked about. And that is to consider our ways. Say again, if you need those full questions, I'll be glad to email those to you or provide those to you in some other kind of way. But I hope that what you have right now is that you have before you a tangible, actionable set of goals for 2018. What you'll do with it now, that's entirely up to you. Maybe you'll choose to to share that with others. I told you to kind of keep it to yourself for now, but maybe after we leave here tonight, you'll decide to we'll talk about those things with one of my brothers or one of my sisters in Christ. I want to get somebody that's going to help me to be accountable to some of these things that I've made plans for in my life. Maybe it is that you'll slip this. Maybe you'll decide to fold that up. Just kind of keep that maybe in the back of your Bible. And maybe on a weekly basis, you're just going to look at that thing. And you're going to do some self-examination. You know, the Lord's Supper talks about one of the things we're supposed to be doing is examining ourselves. Maybe I'm going to examine myself. Where am I spiritually in relation to these goals? Whatever you choose to do by way of follow-up, I hope that we will not have squandered this opportunity that we've just had to seriously consider our ways. Now, as we extend the invitation of the Lord... It is absolutely true that that requires some considering of our ways. That's really what the invitation time is all about in our service. For all of us to be doing some self-examination. Where am I spiritually? And wherever I am spiritually, how did I get here? If I find that I'm way off course, well then what do I need to do to get back on course? If I am a child of God and I'm not serving the Lord in a, in a right kind of way, with a, with a zealous heart, being committed and devoted unto Him, then let's get the ship corrected this evening. Consider your ways, brother or sister. If you are outside of Christ, if you have never been baptized for the remission of your sins to become one of God's children, then consider your ways. And consider right now what will be the outcome of your ways if you keep going in that direction. It leads to no place good, which is why we need to change direction. Let's begin serving the Lord. All things are ready for you to serve the Lord this evening and to become a Christian. If we can help you tonight to become a Christian, if we can help you to serve the Lord as a better Christian, then this invitation is for you. Won't you come right now while we stand and while we sing?